who intervenes. You know what intervenes? Any English teachers here tell me another word for intervene? Anybody who would aspire to be an English teacher? Anybody who speaks English? <laughs> okay, intervenes. Comes into the situation, yes. Thank you very much. Somebody else. Take an action, yes, yes. Do you take in English? No. You want to try that, you're doing well. Yeah, yeah. Somebody else. Steps in. Yes, you, this is good. You know? Yes. Get involved in the situation, yes. Yes, gets in the way of what might otherwise automatically happen. Yes. See, you're not just good looking, you've got brains as well. You know? Do you know, have you ever been in that situation? I think I have, where I'm saying, oh, why doesn't God intervene? Anybody ever been in that situation, or is it just me? Yeah. You know, you hear of some dreadful situation, why doesn't God intervene? Right, well, I'm not going to go into that now. There's a whole good biblical reason to do with God having committed free will to us and to, to some degree to creation. So um, that's another subject. But, you know, isn't it interesting how we tend to work on the basis of what God doesn't do rather than what he does do? And I want us to focus this morning on what he does do where he does intervene and look just what he wants to do. Um, and I want us to do it and, and keep in mind what we've already sung, the things that we've heard, the poem that um, Phil brought, the prophetic picture that Stephen brought. Because intervention does require sometimes a level of openness. Let me explain. Biblical principle, knock, and it shall be opened. Ask, and you will receive. There's a principle of saying, will you, I am in this situation, will you help or can you help? There's a, there's a kind of, you know the picture where he was describing something that you might not kind of be too keen to kind of get into. That is God's requirement upon us in terms of this uh, need or the desire for intervention. You see, <clears throat> what we need to bear in mind is when we walk with him to do his will, there's a great willingness of God to intervene. Um, Let's say, um, all right, through love serve one another. And we know that God wants us to serve one another, which is a kind of like serving him. Serve one another as unto him. Okay, so we know that. So what about an intervention? What about saying, Lord, um, yeah, I want to do that. Who can I serve or what can I do? Because to ask God 
to help you to do something that you know he wants to do. You know that that's in the will. You're on a winner, aren't you? You're on a winner. You're saying, Lord, help me to be obedient to what you want. I have chosen to submit to you and do what you want. Now, Lord, will you give me these opportunities? Lord, I, I, want, to, I want to be used of you. I'd like to bring your word of, of encouragement or whatever. Lord, could I speak for you? Would you give me some, something to say for you? in a given situation, we're, we're actually back in a winner on that because we're asking God to help us to do exactly what he wants us to do. I'm working on the basis that we need his intervention um, because God is calling us and equipping us to live a, what we call a supernatural life. Live beyond the natural. Um, forgive when naturally it wouldn't be possible. Love when it's naturally not going to work or happen. Serve when we really wouldn't want to. And so on and so forth. I mean, to, to actually live... And, of course, he provides a different life source for us to live that way. He's, he's not that... Uh, all right, this is what you've got to do now to do your best and try hard and, you know, hopefully you'll succeed. No, it's I am empowering you, granting you the comforter, the Holy Spirit, to enable you to live with a, different, a totally different life source. Uh, he lives supernaturally. Yeah. You live sitting next to somebody who lives supernaturally. Hmm. Yeah. There's a thought, wasn't it? Yeah, you thought we were just sitting near old Jeremy. You're sitting next to somebody who lives. Yeah, I mean, could rub off on you, mate. Yeah, yeah. Stick with it, you know. Bible says if you walk with the wise, you become wise. Yeah. There's a thought for you, see. <laughs> <coughs> Let me take it a little bit further. In the same way as you receive Christ, so walk in him. I'm taking it a little bit further. Say, we can't do it without. We, we can't live without that supernatural. We can't live without that intervention of God, that stepping in, that empowering, that enabling, that directing. How could we do it otherwise? Can't read this in a book. Yeah, we can see principles and God can speak to us through his word, but it's still got to be God to speak to us. It's not a textbook, it's God speaking to us. So here's what I'm thinking of for today. It's not really kind of an exaltation, it's, it's more an invitation to personal activation. Because, you know, that's your choice. But I'm talking about actually coming into doing something. Now, don't let me get, don't let's get confused with that sort of um, unfortunate what they call word and faith thing, where you decide something and then if you confess it or something like that, it happens. You know, so you can decide, uh, you, you know, you, oh, I've never, I've never had a pink Cadillac. 
you could begin to confess a pink Cadillac. Yeah. Slightly off in terms of taste, but anyway, that's up to you. See, the problem with that is it makes us God. God is just there, you know, like a, uh, to do what we say. And, you know, we just need to remember that it's God that's in charge. So I'm talking about not just deciding something, and, uh, but I'm talking about letting God activate us. Drop something in our heart, a particular desire, a particular action, particular opportunity to serve and then begin to look for that following up that exercising of that what I call spiritual muscle because we can sit there and we can have a nice time and you know enjoy the worship and that sort of thing but God calls us to be a people of action I'm talking here about a personal activation Lord would you what would you have me do for you today? You know, it's, I guess we're all the same, but very easy to pray all the things that we want. It's a kind of shopping list to God. But those prayers that begin on the basis of, Lord, you are almighty. Thou art God. And then, Lord, what do you want? See, Bible tells us, my sheep, that's all those who have committed to respond to the call, to submit to his lordship, my sheep hear my voice. It actually happens. It is, it's, not, it's, like a, it's not like, you know, a, a master's degree. It's what you get simply by deciding to submit to him. So it's possible, in fact, promise that you hear his voice. Personal activation. Lord, where? Lord, what could you do? What, what do you want me to do? What intervention, Lord, have you got in mind? Lord, do you have an intervention in mind that I could now begin to look to you for? Intervention in my finances or relationships or work or you know, I could stretch anywhere across the board but I'm not talking about just pulling something out of the air I'm saying Lord what, what is it what have, you, what have you got because once we get that see faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God once God speaks you, can't, you don't then have to try and get faith those two things are joined together once you hear God, then the faith is there. And I think it's time not to sit back. It's a time. Like, again, coming back to what Phil was saying. Time when, Lord, who, what have you got in mind? For, who have you got in mind for me to pray for in the network? And that's what we were talking about. What's the intervention that you would give me the privilege of actually praying. What intervention? What thing, Lord, would you... So that we actually are activating our spiritual capacity into doing something, stretching that 
spiritual muscle. Now, I believe we're dependent on God's intervention. I think, you know, I'm already spelling that out. We can't live supernaturally without his intervention. I believe we should expect his intervention. I think that, you know, when we share about God's intervention, when we testify and that that prophetic element where we, we do it again, Lord. By the way, last week when I was in Lawrence's meeting, I can't just bring to mind the detail, but somebody testified of a breakthrough in God in their lives as a result of hearing a testimony from one of the team when they were there. And they did that thing. They said, do it again, Lord. And there they were testifying right there last Sunday. I wish I could remember the detail. I'll try and recall it, but I can remember things quite well for about 35 years ago, but it's yesterday that's the problem. (laughs) I felt a little nudge to have a look at Ezra. Uh, recently and uh, we may come back to that but I just want to take the beginning of that remember we're talking about the God of intervention Uh, just come back to the beginning of that let me read it to you Ezra chapter 1 verse 1 in the first year of Cyrus king of Persia who's a pretty pretty sort of um, big guy you know he had a lot of a lot of territory under his rule uh, including Babylon (coughs) It says this, in the the first year, Cyrus king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. Isn't that amazing? Let's just read what happens. The Lord moved the heart of Cyrus king of Persia to make a proclamation throughout his realm and to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus king of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven... And by the way, this is not a believer. This is not somebody who submitted to God. This is not someone who was on God's side at all. Makes it even more interesting. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. I mean, he did have quite a big deal going on, you know. Um, And he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judea. Any one of his people among you, remember these are the people that have been taken into captivity. May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem in Judea to build the temple of the Lord. And it goes on, it's quite interesting. In order to fulfill the word of the Lord. Let me come back again. When we have the word of the Lord, what, what, what is totally impossible for God? He cannot lie. What will God do? His word will not return to him void. And here we are in order to fulfill the word of the Lord, spoken a long, long time before. God moves the heart of Cyrus, not a believer, to actually release the people that were taken into captivity and make provision, as we, we won't spend the time now, but make provision for the rebuilding of the temple as well as letting them go. Now, that's a massive thing. This is a complete turnaround of what's been happening. It's a complete change. And let's just track back a minute. This is in order 
to fulfill the word spoken by Jeremiah long, long time before the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. See, we're talking here about the powerful intervention of God along the line of what he's, what he's designed to do. Once we get into the design of what God wants, we can expect some powerful interventions. We can expect all sorts of things to happen, whether somebody is submitted to God or not. This is about God having his way. This is about the intervening God. This is about God remembering, I'm God. I can do what I want. This is about God actually changing the very heart, causing the heart of an um, enemy king to come into line with his purpose, the intervention of God. He puts it in writing. Then I thought, hmm, I'd like to have a look at this a little bit more, at this intervention. So I thought about various places, various stories, and I, I ended up at a very familiar one. But I saw it in a kind of different light, so I want to just share it with you. This is a story of Elijah, fed by the ravens, and it's in 1 Kings 17. <clears throat> but before we get into that, let's just remind ourselves about Elijah. James chapter 5, a man just like us. Nah. Well, I don't know. It's what it says. If it's the word of God, it's got to be true. A man just like us. Don't seem very convinced. Just nudge someone say, like you. Thank you. Now you're all sitting there thinking, wow, don't worry about that roast dinner. I want a bit of meat brought by ravens. But interestingly, it goes on to say, of course we know the story that he prophesied to the king that it wouldn't rain. He was bringing the king into line. But as well as that, in James chapter 5, we say, not only did he have the word of the Lord, not only did he prophesy it, but he prayed. See, again, there's an action. He received the word, and then he prayed it through. Exactly the things that God gives us to do. So he prophesied, and he prayed, and he's just like us. Nothing special. Well, we're all special. Let's see how the intervention went. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, few years except at my word. Yeah. At which point he gets out of dodge quick. Smart move, you know. Not the most popular guy around. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Aha, intervention. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith Ravine, east of Jordan. You will drink from the brook, 
and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So let's look at intervention. Number one, intervention of direction. We were maybe planning to do this. God intervenes and says, no, do that. Here's a direction for you. He was in one place and he was the mighty prophet. And he says, you need now to go to this other place and hide. So goes to this Kirith Brook, probably a lot of reeds there, hides in the reeds. The direction of God. Didn't look impressive, didn't look cool, but it was God's intervention and he was following it in order to fulfill the plan and work of God. Yeah? So then tells him to hide. Uh, that's the provision. Yeah? Keep a low profile. Yeah, sometimes God can say that. <coughs> Keep a low profile. Yeah? Some places we go, we sense we should keep a low profile. Other places, no. We just need to do what God gives us to do. Then makes provision. Interesting provision. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of Jordan, stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Obviously the brook was still functioning at that point. No rain, but the brook was still there. You know when Pizza Hut started home delivery, you thought that was a first? It's all in the Bible. Home delivery, personal delivery. Just didn't have him thrown up and put his credit card in. It just came anyway, you know. The other thing I want us to just understand, the Lord arranged this. Well, I wonder where he got it from. I wonder how it was. I wonder, I wonder if it's okay. Oh, I hope, he, I hope he didn't, you know, steal it from any little raven baby that was just about to be fed. You know, you can get into a whole lot of stuff about the how and where. If God gives it, God says, this is what I'm giving you, just get on with it. Let's not worry about it. Well, is it ethically sound? I don't know. I don't know. I think God does ethics in his own way. But I just, we can, we can get worried about too many things, you know? I, I don't know about my cholesterol. I don't know all this bread. Is it going to be fattening? God is giving it to you. Just receive it. You know, it's God's provision. It's his intervention at that time. And we can trust God, can't we? I mean, he did give his life for us. So, I mean, it's pretty trustworthy, pretty creditable. So let's not worry. And he was fed. Not feasted, but fed. Just be careful that we don't get caught up into that kind of, you know, prosperity type thing. He was fed. He had sufficient. God supplied his need. Just in the same way as he says he'll provide a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You know, when all this nasty stuff is happening, 
and we see God and we look for his intervention. And right there in the midst of it, we can be in a place having a, li a nice little nosh up while the enemies are all around, protected by him. Yeah? Supernatural. God's intervention. What a place to be. Verse 7. Uh-oh. You know, I was never sure about this brook. Oh, you know, there's no rain. How long is it going to last? We don't know where the source is. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there'd been no rain in the land. Hmm. I really thought God had made that provision. I really thought God had done this. Uh, I was so confident that it, it was God's intervention. Now look at us. The brook has dried up. Oh, wait a minute. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon. And stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. See, the focus has to be on what God is saying and what God is doing. You can't get focused on the brook. You can't get focused on the means. We have to stick with God's intervention. And he intervenes in this way. And maybe later on he intervenes in another way. But it's still God, and our focus is still on him and what he's doing and what he's saying. We can't transfer our confidence to right here. Ravens are pretty steady, you know, morning and evening. Fairly dependable. Quality's okay. Brooks nice. Got the place to myself. The danger of just relaxing back into a dependency upon what is, as against what the God of intervention would have. And so he intervenes again. And he says, go to Zarephath. Uh, that's a variety of intervention. Interesting place to go. Sidon, that's where he had to go. Sidon was the centre of worship of Baal. Remember, he'd had all the, those, we know the story. This is what the whole issue was about, the prophets of Baal. And that, in turn was introduced by guess who? Jezebel. Who was the greatest enemy of Elijah? Jezebel. God is about to show that he's greater than any power of any enemy. And he could take Elijah right into the very place, the centre of enemy activity and focus, and then declare and show... Again, his intervention. Finding the right place, God's place. So, <clears throat> so he went down to Zarephath, and when he came to the town, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, Bring me... He said, please, a piece of bread. She says, as surely as the Lord your God, the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, 
only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home, make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Not a happy situation. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home, do as you've said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. It's kind of... It's not socially correct, is it? (laughs) Not even politically correct. Can you imagine saying that? situation like that? Yeah, your son's about to die, you're about to die, but tell you what... uh, you were going to use this to postpone it a bit, but give it to me instead and, you know, whatever. God's interventions are not really worked out in the human mind, but they are to be followed by those who are empowered by the Spirit of God to be obedient to him. We can't work it out there. God looks for a people who will do what he says. Not gainsaying, not trying to have a better idea, not telling the quality of the food or is this kind of socially appropriate what you're telling me to do? Do it. People are obedient to him. But this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. Hmm. We're looking at intervention. Here's a widow. She's destitute. Interestingly, he doesn't go to a rich person. He doesn't even go to Obadiah, who was there, who was the governor of of Ahab, the king Ahab's affairs. But now we see an intervention. We see an intervention of a divine connection. God bringing an intervention says this person, this person, bringing direction yet again, bringing provision yet again. You see, as he goes in, so he went to the Zarephath, when he came to the gate, so it's like the first person, God says, speak to her, get what you need from her. And interestingly, for her, he then goes and stays at her place and he's kind of the lodger that's going to provide the food. This oil that's not going to run out and flour and what have you. But there's a kind of, there's an interesting test because the first thing you notice that he says to her is, um, bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink. There was a test of her willingness to respond, to serve, to be obedient. There's a test of heart. Do you know, guys, sometimes there's that little test of heart that God gives us in preparation for the next stage of intervention. The Bible tells us that he tests us. He tests us for integrity, tests our heart. There's preparation time there. And the widow, she's not looking, she's not looking to kind of... Um, provide for herself in this way because at that point in time the water would have been worth so yeah I'll get that you know that's worth a 
worth a few bob to get you some water. How much are you going to pay me? That doesn't come into it. And equally, she breaks off from kind of important task. You know, you're just about to make the last meal for your only child. Uh, I kind of feel that you're going to be a little bit preoccupied, wouldn't you be? You're going to be a bit focused. That, you know, i got something pretty important to do rather than go and get some water for somebody who I don't know. It's a stranger. Not only is a stranger, he's an Israelite. We don't really have much to do with them. But she left what she was doing even though she was about an important and urgent task, she didn't make that an excuse. In fact, she walked right into the purpose of God. Here's another intervention. I don't like this one so much. Correction. Is God allowed to intervene and bring us a correction? See, the correction there was... Don't do what you were going to do, but do this instead. Do something different. Do what I'm telling you to do, not what you were going to do. See, intervention of God does require that willingness to actually be corrected, be readjusted, be taken into his purpose rather than our purpose. It's just, I mean... Guys, let's just think about it. There's some hungry vagrant, as far as she's concerned. She's being asked to put this person she's never met, she's asking for water, begging bread or whatever, before her own son. See, let's get hold of this. The intervention of God is supernatural. It doesn't, you can't work it out on a natural basis. God speaks and that's enough. God's word comes, and that's how we live in the variety of intervention, whether it's protection or direction or provision. She gave what she had. That's pretty much one day's food if we read this story, yeah? That's what she had. She had enough to feed a a, a son for one day. And what did she get in return? Something kind of working out about two years' supply. Because it didn't stop. The flour and the oil didn't stop until it rained. It's about two years away. You know, God is no man's debtor. You know, we, we step out and give to God and he gives to us his provision. And then, of course, it goes on a little bit. Um, let's have a look. Where are we? Verse 17, sometime later, the woman's son, right, the one that she was going to feed and then die, <clears throat> the woman's son uh, gets ill and he grows worse and worse and he stops breathing. And she says to Elijah, well, what, do you, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Elijah says, give me your son. Elijah replies, he took him from her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying, laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, you have brought tragedy also upon this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die. And he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this boy's life return. The Lord heard Elijah's cry. 
Sounds a good intervention. He hears us. The Lord hears us. Yeah? Let me say it again. He hears us. Yeah? I have a God who hears me. You have a God that hears you. Yeah? That's an amazing thing. He hears us. The boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Oh, wow. We just read it as a story, but we're talking about someone's child here. Here's your son. He's alive. The intervention of God can be a very, very joyful thing. To be used of God to bring release and relief and resolve into a situation. See, it's not just about provision for us. It's not just about direction for us. But the intervention of God can mean that we can walk in the powerful anointing and privilege of being a blessing to others as well. Those who can be used of God in the miraculous, used of God to bring joy and to bring release in a situation. Provision of God, the healing. And of course, if we go through the, through the Bible, we see uh, all sorts of things. What about God's intervention to rescue? Remember Peter in prison? And God just comes in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, completely releases him, you know, shackled there. Uh, a provision, the rescue of God. Yeah. Anybody ever been rescued by God? Yes. Yeah. Uh, intervention of God. What about the intervention, which is a warning? Do you remember uh, when Paul was going to Rome? There was a warning. Delivered. Don't do this. Don't travel at this time. Don't go this way. Intervention of God to say, don't do it. Actually, they ignored it. And the mercy of God, uh, it wasn't in Paul's, obviously, hands. He was going as a prisoner. And God spoke that time and rescued them again. Uh, in spite of the denial of the warning. They listened to the experts instead of listening to God. This is not a good time. This is not a good thing to do. Warning of God. Then God intervenes in unexpected ways. Remember the story of the Jesus at the wedding in Cana of Galilee? And they ran out of wine. And then he says to tell the servants to fill the jars with water, water pots with water. It's a bit unexpected. You know? They're looking for wine. They're getting water. It kind of doesn't really compute, except for they did what he said. Then there's the unusual intervention. Remember the time they're talking about money and tax and that sort of thing? And uh, he said, all right, go and get that fish, and there's a coin in the fish's mouth. Edwin was telling me, he's he's never told me this story before. He he was talking the story of his life. And uh, he was saying he was very, quite young, and uh, I can't think exactly what age. And he said uh, he was told by his parents, there's some uncle or someone here, he's just going now, 
um, just walked with him to his car. So he was a child, I can't remember the actual age. And he said, when he got to the car, the uncle gave him two coins. And he described the coins, and I, I, don't, I don't know about South African coins, but one was a small one and one was a bit bigger. And uh, so he held them in his hand, and he went back inside, and his mother said to him, right, it's, it's time, to, time to bath now. And he went to put the coins down, and he had a handful of coins. Weird. I mean, weird. But I tell you what was interesting? For the rest of his life, he said, wow. God can do that. God can intervene like that. That's the God I want to serve. You know, it's intervention. Strange. Then it can be out of the familiar, the fishermen, the disciples, fishing. Can't get any fish. I mean, fishermen know when the fish are, are there. And Jesus comes and says, I'm on it, go and fish. He said, no, no. Lord, we've been fishing all night. Nice, it's Jesus, but you know he's a carpenter, he's not a fisherman. Uh, we know about fish. Well, it's an unusual thing. So then they do what he says. Of course you say it, we'll do it. Not a bad idea. Yeah, well, <clears throat> we're pretty familiar with this, but of course you say it, we'll do it, even if it don't make sense to us. God's intervention. And of course they catch so much fish they've got to send their, get their partners to bring the boat out to, to bring the fish in. Familiar. And how, how does he intervene? He can intervene in nature. Part the waters for the children of Israel. He can intervene in a dream via a dream. Remember Abimelech when he took Abraham's wife God appeared to him in a dream. Says you're as good as dead. That's quite a dream. You want to wake up quick from that one. He can intervene in circumstance. He can intervene in good things. I had an interesting thing. I was talking about Zimbabwe. Last year, it's August time, and there had been some talk about me going for George's conference, and I I just... uh, just didn't settle. And there were, if I remember, there were four obstacles. Four obstacles. I can't remember the detail of what they were now. It was something to do with flights or something like that. Four obstacles. And one by one, the four obstacles were removed. The weird thing was, I still didn't feel comfortable about going. Just did not feel. And unusually... Uh, George, he's not, he's not kind of normally pushing like that. He, he got onto me a couple of times. He was really wanting me to go, but I just didn't feel the release to do it. And I felt that was God intervening, and it was uncomfortable. Well, run the story forward. We're thinking about a team. Talk to George, and he thinks, you know, I think I'll, I'll, I'll make this that conference bring leaders in now I already mentioned to you you've already heard probably one of the most um, outstanding things we've heard in a long time in terms of the effectiveness of that I don't think I should have gone in August I think the team should have gone 
in Easter. So that the things that and the things that God wanted were arranged according to his intervention, not according to our plans. The Bible says that he's called us to rule in the midst of our enemies. I'm saying, where else would we go when he has the words of life? Look, for some of us, we can identify with things that looked utterly unlikely. Talk to Deacon Alter about what was expected uh, in the end of apartheid in South Africa. Everybody expected it would end in a bloodbath. Uh, but it didn't. Those of you that can remember when uh, the communists put up the Berlin Wall, so impregnable, people died trying to get across. The thought of that ever being removed completely blow your mind. You just couldn't ever think it was, it was one of those symbols of utter, utterly impregnable. It was there. And it changed. And then we lived through the, what was called the Cold War, the strength of communism. Nobody could have ever believed that that would end or the Soviet Union would come to an end. I'm just saying those things, guys, because I want us to understand that we turn to him. We turn to the God who intervenes. Our trust is in him. Our trust is in his word. He is the God of intervention. He is the one who's shown through the whole of history that he's one who intervenes. He sees the state of the nations. He sees the, the state of the hearts of men. He sees the limitations of the old covenant. He gives us a new covenant by sending his one and only son. That's the greatest intervention that could ever take place in the whole of history, that God gives his one and only son, that we could come into relationship with him, that we could live not just with the blood of bulls and goats making us okay for the last sin. We could live with a clean conscience before him, the God of intervention. Now, here's my thing. I think God's talking to us about stretching now spiritual muscle. I'd like to invite you to join with me. Lord, where do you want to intervene? What intervention, Lord, have you got lined up? that involves me? Is it an intervention in word, in service, in action, whatever, Lord? Or already you've got things coming into your mind. You say, I need God's intervention in this. Lord, is this what you've got? See, on this basis, nothing's impossible. Whether it's world-changing events or one man getting fed, first by ravens and then by a widow, you know, it's God. It's God's way. The God of intervention. Now, look, the purpose of this is not just we sit patiently listening to a story. The purpose of this is that we say, Lord, the action, the activation is, what is it? What intervention? What intervention can I begin to ask you for? What intervention are you giving to me? What area are you opening up now? Lord, as I open my heart to you, as I listen to you, what area 
What thing that even seems impossible? Can I believe you now for intervention? Just like we've seen in these stories. Yeah? Yeah? Go for it. Yeah, we don't want to just listen. We want to be doers of the word. That's what we are established for. That's what makes us radically different. Not that we listen, but we actually choose to do the things and to engage in it. Amen? Mm. Okay.